All right, well, you may be seated. Go ahead and take your Bibles or your CSB Scripture notebooks, if you have that with you, and turn to, woohoo, cheer for the Scripture notebooks, and turn to uh, John chapter 1. If this is your first time here with us tonight, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. And if this is your first time here or you haven't uh, been here in a while, um, we it's important to us that you know exactly why we exist as a ministry, why we gather together every single Tuesday night, why we get together on Sunday mornings, and that reason is this. It's our purpose statement for why we're here. We exist to encourage and equip the young adults of Idlewild Church to live in Christ, in community, and on mission. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. That's what we're about. We exist to encourage and equip the young adults of Idlewild Church to live in Christ, in community, and on mission. In other words, we do what we do as a ministry with the goal in mind of ultimately being obedient to Jesus, being obedient to the Great Commission, and making disciples. And that's what we want to be about here because we believe that that's what the Bible teaches the church should be about, and we believe that that's what the Bible teaches the Christian life is about, following Jesus and then going out into the world and making disciples of Jesus, helping other people learn how to follow Jesus. And tonight in John 1, we get to read the account of Jesus calling some of his very first disciples to come and follow him. And we get to read this account, and when we read it, we get a first-hand look at what discipleship truly is from the source itself, from the foundation, from the very beginning. And this is important for us as Christians to understand this, because as Christians, we are disciples of Jesus. If you're not a disciple, a follower of Jesus, you're not saved, you're not a Christian. And if you are a Christian, it means you are a disciple of Jesus. And as disciple of Je- disciples of Jesus, it is crucial that we know and understand what discipleship is at its core, because if we are Christians, if we have new life in Christ, that is what the whole of our lives now is devoted to, is making disciples. And it's important that we grasp this, because even in the church, the universal church today, there are so many ideas of what the purpose of the church is. There are so many different thoughts on what the purpose of the Christian life is. There are so many thoughts on what discipleship is, but not all of them look like what we see in the Bible. So if we're going to be faithful disciples who are obedient to Jesus, who follow after the Great Commission, it is essential that we have a solid grasp on the core aspects of discipleship and that we know what that looks like. And two of those core aspects are what we're going to see tonight in our text as we look at Jesus' encounters as he calls the first disciples to follow after him. So, John chapter 1, we're going to finish up chapter 1 tonight, and the next week we will roll right into chapter 2. So we're going to start in verse 35 tonight, and we'll go ahead and start there and read through the end of the chapter. So, John 1, verse 35 says this, The next day John, this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look! The Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John the Baptist and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, though, and he told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon 
to Jesus. When Jesus saw Simon, he said, you are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Verse 47, then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. I know, it's exciting. Tonight, as we uh, look at this passage about Jesus calling his first disciples, I want us to make two foundational observations about what true discipleship, biblical discipleship, as exemplified here, really involves. And the first observation tonight is this. Discipleship begins with a correct understanding of who Jesus is. Discipleship starts, it begins, with a correct understanding of of who Jesus is. See, all throughout this passage, this account we just read, both John the Baptist and Jesus' first disciples, they make confessions about who Jesus is. They ascribe to him different titles, different names, and each of these titles that they attribute to Christ point to a certain aspect of his person and work. It's confessions that they understand who he is, and they're following after him. They're believing on him because of that. In verse 36, we see first that John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. When he sees Jesus coming, he turns to his disciples, those who were previously following him, and he says, look, that is the Lamb of God. Last week when we looked at the passage on John the Baptist, we saw that he described Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This title, Lamb of God, he tells us that Jesus is the sacrifice that bore the sin of the whole world on his body on the cross. And he died, taking that sin off of us and onto himself. And when he died, he brought that sin and that debt down to the depths of hell before rising again in victory. And like a physically spotless lamb in the Old Testament, the morally spotless person of Jesus Christ made a way for us to get rid of the sin that separated us from our holy God so that we could be in communion with our creator. And John the Baptist says, look, this is the lamb of God. He was declaring who Jesus was. Then we look down in verse 41 and we see here that Andrew calls Jesus the Messiah or the Christ. Andrew goes to his brother Simon Peter and he says, we have found the Messiah which is translated Christ. Christ is the term that in the New Testament is more commonly used but they both mean the same thing. Both terms mean the anointed one. This means that Jesus was the one The Son was the one that God the Father had chosen to send and to save mankind from before the foundations of the world. So he's the Lamb of God, he's the Messiah and the Christ. And then in verse 45 we see that he's described as the one Moses and the one that the prophets, they wrote about. In verse 45, Philip, he describes Jesus to Nathanael. 
And he says, this is the one that Moses wrote about. This is the one that the prophets wrote about. Whenever you read the phrase, um, the law and the prophets, or Moses and the prophets, it's basically saying that he's talking about the whole of the Old Testament. All the way from Genesis, all the way through the rest of the Old Testament, it is pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament's prophecies. And Jesus Christ is also the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament's promises. And so we see that Jesus is not only the Lamb of God, the Messiah, he's the one who is prophesied about. He's the one who is promised. And then in verse 49, we see that Nathanael declares Jesus to be both the Son of God and the King of Israel. Now there's a pretty wide range of what these titles could have meant specifically. But both we know that both at least deal with the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who God had promised. And he is the true king of Israel. He is the true king of all God's people. And all of these early followers of Jesus, all of these first disciples, they didn't know everything about Christ. They didn't know everything about the way in which he would uh, enact the kingdom and bring it to fruition. They didn't understand him perfectly. But they did understand and believe in who he was. And so for us, if discipleship, if our discipleship to Jesus begins with having a a proper and accurate, a biblical, correct understanding of who Jesus is, then we need to make sure that we have a grasp of who Jesus is. It's important for us as believers, as followers of Christ, to have a grasp of basic theology about the person and work of Jesus. For example, imagine um, that in your life, an unsaved classmate or coworker or friend or family member, someone who you know who is an unbeliever, and most of us can probably have a picture of someone in our minds. So this person who you know who's an unbeliever, they know that you're a Christian, imagine that they come to you and they say, listen, I know that you're a Christian, and so I have a question for you, and maybe it was prompted by something they saw on the internet, maybe it was prompted by something that they uh, heard someone talking about, but they come to you and they ask you one of these questions. Would you be able to give them a biblical and clear and concise answer? If someone were to come up to you and just say, hey, who is Jesus? Now that sounds simple, but think about it. Would you be able to explain to somebody who the person of Jesus Christ is? That he is both God and man. That he was the sacrifice for the sins of the world. That he is the Messiah. What if someone came up here to you tonight, maybe someone who was a visitor and who didn't know Christ? And they came up to you and said, hey, you normally go here, right? And you say, yeah. And say, okay, you're a Christian. You say, yeah. And they say, okay, well, I heard something about the gospel. Could you tell me what that is? Like, what is the gospel? And I don't just mean like, oh, no, like, it's the good news. Gospel means the good news. No, like, lay out for me, what is that good news? Would you be able to talk to someone and explain to them clearly and biblically exactly how they can be saved? If someone were to come up to you and say, hey, I know you're a Christian, and you read the Bible, and you say, yes. They say, well, you base your whole life on the Bible, right? As a Christian, you say, absolutely. If they were to ask you, okay, so what is the Bible about? Like, what is it about? Like, in one or two sentences, could you quickly and accurately tell me what the Bible is about? What's the overall narrative of the Bible? What's the overarching story? What is this book of books and letters that have been compiled? What is it actually about? Would you be able to explain that to someone? And if you think about some of these questions or questions like them, and you don't know how to answer them, 
I would encourage you to do a couple of things to grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is and your knowledge of the Word of God. One thing would be to simply get a good Bible, get a good study Bible preferably, and read Scripture every day and have a study Bible where you're looking at the notes and you're learning and you're intaking Scripture every single day. Another thing is be under the sound preaching and teaching of the Word and be in Christian community as much as possible. Because, Lord willing, every time that you place yourself under the preaching and teaching of God's word, even if you don't always learn something new, like, well, I've never heard that before every single time, God is continuing to use his word to mold your heart to be more like Jesus and to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Read books, watch videos, listen to podcasts that will help you grow in your understanding of who Jesus is and what the Bible says. And if you want recommendations for a good book um, in a certain area, maybe of theology or a certain area of Christian living uh, or a podcast or a YouTube channel or something like that, come find me. Go talk to your group leader. They probably have some great recommendations as well. There's another thing that I'll mention here tonight, and um, I'll, I'll throw this out there because it's a, a special opportunity that we have at our church specifically, um, and that is something that we call Missions Academy, Mission Academy. And basically what that is, it is a, um, you could say, Bible college seminary light one-year program. And so there's two semesters. There's a uh, semester in the spring, and there's a semester in the fall. And those classes happen on Sunday afternoons from 4.30 to 6. And what it is is just people of our church, members of our church who are saying, hey, I want to take a step deeper in learning more about the Bible. It's a classes, and we cover, um, you know, systematic theology. We cover... Um, hermeneutics, how, how to study scripture. Uh, we cover certain areas of missions and evangelism and world religions and how to interact with different people of different faiths. And I would encourage you, if that's something you are interested in, come talk to me. We're getting ready to start that. Um, those classes are taught by Pastor Edgar. They're taught by myself as well. And then we also bring in uh, other people who uh, are experts on certain issues that we're going to cover. Oh, Kai, you have a question? Mission Academy. Mission Academy, yeah. So uh, if you are interested in that, we do have some spots left, so I wanted to throw that out there tonight because it was kind of in the, in the vein of the sermon. So come find me afterwards if you're interested in that. Um, we go through books. Uh, we study theology together. And if you're wanting to take another step deeper, that is a great option for some of you. So first thing we see tonight is that discipleship begins with the correct understanding of who Jesus is. Second thing tonight is this. Discipleship is actualized when belief in Jesus becomes proclamation of Jesus. Discipleship is actualized. It really comes into fruition. It's really being accomplished when belief in Jesus, right, the understanding and declaring for yourself who Jesus is, turns into or becomes or produces proclamation of Jesus to others. For example, look, uh, verses 35 through 37 John the Baptist first proclaims Jesus to Andrew and the other disciple, which most people would say, and I would say, is John. He doesn't name who it is, uh, and because of that, we would say it's probably the Apostle John who's writing this book. But verse 35 says, the next day, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. He pointed them to Jesus, and the two disciples heard him say this. He used words, pointed them to Jesus, told them who Jesus was. And then they followed Jesus. It didn't just stop with John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, no, I'm pointing you to Jesus. Follow him. 
And then we look down in verses 40 through 42. And we see that Andrew, once he begins following Jesus, he doesn't keep it to himself. No, he goes and he proclaims Jesus to Peter. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. But he first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. He says, I have found the life that is in Christ. I have found the Messiah. I have found the Son of God. I have found the King of Israel. I cannot keep this to myself. My brother has to come too. And so before he he takes off with Christ, he goes and he gets his brother and says, listen, look what I have found. And he takes Peter and Peter begins to follow Jesus as well. We see this in verses 45 and 46 where Philip doesn't keep things to himself. He proclaims Jesus to Nathanael. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. And Nathanael responds with a little bit of disbelief, and he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. And then Philip says, man, come and see. And that's what our call is as disciples, to go to the people we know. Maybe it's like uh, Andrew, and you have a family member, a sibling like it is here, who doesn't know Christ, who hasn't tasted and seen the goodness of God. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone you interact with at the store. Maybe it's someone you see at the gym. But there are people out there who need Jesus. And as disciples, it is not our job to just sit up in church and just be to ourselves. No, it is our job to go into the earth and proclaim the gospel. See, none of the disciples of Jesus followed Jesus and then kept it to themselves. Because they really believed that Jesus was the Savior, they went and told others about him. They weren't secret disciples whose faith was private. They were unashamed followers of Jesus whose belief in Jesus resulted in the proclamation of Jesus to others. And we see from this that while having a correct understanding of who Jesus is, is essential for discipleship. Knowledge of who Jesus is and knowledge of the Bible and Christian doctrine is not true discipleship in itself until it is shared with others. There's a lot of people in churches, including our own, who have a lot of good theology and they can explain things to you all about the Bible, but when it comes to loving their neighbor, when it comes to sharing the gospel with an unsaved friend, They don't know anything of it. And I've seen that in my life as I've been faced with these truths from God's word. I would imagine that many of us in here, as we've looked at what discipleship is, even last semester, have been confronted with the fact that, man, I know a lot and I do believe, but my belief has not yet resulted in me going and telling. But we see here that that's what true discipleship is. When we were on that last point about knowing who Jesus is, and I was giving those examples of questions that all Christians should be able to answer about Jesus and Christianity, if you're sitting there and thinking, wow, this is so basic. I mean, of course, obviously I know this stuff. Why aren't you saying something else? Why aren't you saying something deeper? I mean, I need to know more. My question for you would be, who in your life are you taking your knowledge that you have and sharing it with? What newer Christian 
or younger person in your church or younger person in this ministry, are you taking alongside yourself, befriending, and showing what it means to follow Jesus and teaching more about the faith? What unsaved friend are you sharing the gospel with? Because discipleship isn't actualized until belief in Jesus becomes proclamation of Jesus. As we close tonight, I am so grateful for the work that God is doing in this ministry through His Word and by the power of His Spirit. When I hear um, of entire discussion groups, specifically a group last week of the 22 to 23 girls with Precious and Alanis leading, when I hear of an entire discussion group, a whole room of people who are saying, man, God is working on my heart about sharing my faith with others. And so what we're going to do is we're going to all determine that we're going to try our best to have one gospel conversation this week and we're going to come back next week and we're going to give a report about how that went. That is so encouraging to me. I love to hear that because that is a sign that real discipleship is happening. When I hear about people in our ministry like Shane and Christian and Caleb and Garrett and all the others who I haven't mentioned who have been going out with Chris Fry, our guy's intern, to bull market on Wednesdays at USF or going out on weekends to work on getting better at having gospel conversations with others and grow in their evangelism. That is exciting. And that is fruit that I'm excited to see because it's discipleship playing out before our very eyes. When I have a group of people in our ministry coming to me on a Tuesday night and talking with me for probably over an hour, saying that they want to increase the amount of serving and the amount of outreach that we do as a ministry. And not only do they just want to increase it and sit and just be recipients of it. No, they want to be a part of leading the charge and mobilizing our people to come and serve others, to take the gospel outside of the walls of the church. That is encouraging to me. When they say they specifically want to take younger people in the ministry alongside themselves and show them the ropes of serving and show them the way that we do things, that encourages me because it shows me that there is a hunger and a thirst for genuine discipleship and that God is at work in our midst. And that is exciting because that is what we are here for. And when I hear those stories, which are not my stories, they're your stories, I just get to hear them. It excites me because it means we are hitting the target of what we are trying to hit. Because we are here to make disciples. We're not here to provide fun and games and exciting experiences for people who are bored. If that's what all we are trying to do, we would be an amusement park. We're not here to put on a show and draw a crowd with, you know, this great music and these cool lights. If that's what we were trying to do, we would be a concert venue and we would just host concerts. We're not here to match make people or provide dating opportunities like speed dating. If we were, we would just be a dating app or we could be, you know, Christian Mingle Live or whatever you want to call it. We are a church. And specifically, we are a a ministry, a subset of young adults within a larger church. But because we're a church, we want to be faithful and excellent in striving to do what churches do according to the Bible, which is helping believers increase in their knowledge of Christ, increase in their affection for Jesus, and then unleashing them out into the world to make disciples of Jesus. And my prayer is that that is where we will continue to move collectively as a ministry, and individually, each of us. I'll say too, if you are interested in going out 
um, to USF to just have some conversations with people and maybe even shadow someone. Uh, I'll be going out tomorrow with those guys to help table with Bull Market and maybe walk around. So if you're interested in that, man, come see me. Go see Chris tonight. Uh, and we would love for you to join us tomorrow as we're just trying to, to become more faithful proclaimers of the gospel and disciples of Jesus. And I'm in that same boat. So when I go tomorrow, I'm working on it myself. And so I would invite anyone who has some time tomorrow, hey, come out with us and uh, it'll be a good time. So let's go ahead and pray. And uh, after we pray, we will dismiss to our discussion groups. All that info will be on the screens after we sing. Father, we, uh, we thank you that you sought us out. Lord, when we were estranged from you, when we were separated from the life that is in you, when we were dying and we were hopeless and we were on our way to an eternity without you, Lord, you sought us out. You took us by your grace and you rescued us out of the pit of despair and destruction and you brought us into new life through Christ. Lord, help us not to be recipients of that great grace that are just comfortable with receiving it for ourselves and never sharing it with others. Because Jesus died for all and so there is enough blood to go around for everyone. There's enough grace for everyone. And Lord, there is no one who comes to you that you turn away. So Lord, I ask that you would motivate us to study your word deeper, to know you better, to never settle or just be content with where we are in our Christian lives out of pride. Lord, I pray you would help us to dig deeper. And I pray that that digging deeper wouldn't just be so we can be lifted up because knowledge puffs up, Lord. But I pray that we would dig deeper because we know that we need to steward well our lives. And we know that we have the responsibility and the privilege of being your ambassadors and going and proclaiming your word in conversations with friends, for some of us from platforms, for some of us in discussion groups, for some of us around the dinner table. Lord, we have been given a life and one life. Lord, help us to steward it well. Help us not to throw it away. Lord, help us to focus first and foremost on what matters and most of all to be faithful followers of you and disciple makers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.